With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. And as we promised last week, uh, we would be featuring an interview with Alex Lyon, the f- both Phantoms and Flyers goaltender, as he gets uh, ready to enter yet another season, hopefully with the NHL club, coming off a 94-save performance in the AHL playoffs and plenty of other things. Uh, Anthony sat down with him in Voorhees, and they uh, they covered a, a ton of stuff, including him potentially going back to uh, finish his degree, Game of Thrones, uh, among other, many other things. So uh, give the interview a listen, and uh, after that, we'll react and cover a few other breaking things in Flyers land. Hope you enjoy. And we'd like to welcome here to the Snow the Goalie podcast... Well, one of the Flyers goalies. I mean, that's it's a great uh, affiliation there. We have a Flyers goalie on Snow the Goalie. Uh, joining me today is Flyers goalie Alex Lyon. Alex, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Excited, uh, excited to come on today. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, the first thing I've got to ask you is, I mean, you've had to, you've had a few months off. What's your summer been like? What have you been doing this summer? Uh, yeah, it's been a uh, you know short summer. We after the the run in the playoffs last year, and um, I've just been here in Philly. Uh, training and trying to relax a little bit and uh, enjoy the nice weather. So you've been you've stayed in town. You didn't really you didn't go back home or anything like that. Or I mean, I'm sure you went back home for a visit or something, right? But yeah, I went back home for a wedding um, in July. Okay. But uh, other than that, I'm I'm a homebody, so I like to be in one place. So I've just been um, you know here in Philly and enjoying the city and and bounce around the East Coast a little bit. So it's been fun. Cool, cool. Um, training camps coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, how is it going to be different for you this year as compared to previous years? I mean, obviously, you came in the first time as a an undrafted free agent. Nobody had ever heard of you. Nobody knew who you were. Then you had a nice season with the Phantoms, and so like the second year was kind of like, okay, I've you know people know who I am a little bit. Now I just got to try and make a name for myself. And now you've got eleven games of NHL experience under your belt. How is this going to be different this time around? Yeah, I think um, you know the last the last two times I, I've taken a good approach, and that's just go in. You, work as hard as I can do do the best that I can and um and just try to enjoy the experience uh you know I think when you're having fun a lot you know your play gets a lot better and um yeah I mean just not put too much pressure on it not think about it too much I think that's the key to life Ron said uh, having five goalies is better than having three goalies right and you got so I mean obviously you don't want to have injuries and, and the like but um with five guys here and most of you I think relatively healthy coming into camp is competition healthy for you guys? Is that a good thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's really healthy for us to push each other. And even in these skates out here, you know, we got we got a couple guys and um, here in the summer right now. So we're we're competitive, um, you know, and at the same time, everybody's everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction. We all want the Flyers to and the Phantoms to be the best teams possible. And um, so we try to support each other as well. I think I think that's important. And um, you know, the, the way you get better is just by, you know, being really relaxed, especially as a goalie. I think that's important. So um, it's just you got to have that healthy balance of competitivity as well as, um, you know, it's all in good fun as well. New contract says, I think, a lot about 
the team's confidence in you. I mean, give you two years. That second year is, if I'm correct, is just NHL. Um, does, does that speak a lot to you? Does that give you some more confidence coming into this season, knowing that the team feels so strongly about you in that way? For sure. Um, you know, I think I think the compensation is is as much of a benchmark as anything um, for for any athlete or any profession, really. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like I've had a good recipe to get there, and I and I don't want to throw that away either. Um, so, um, really, the only thing you know for me is just keep focusing on the things I can control, and um, you just keep sticking to the grindstone, and and um, you know you you want to enjoy it. And obviously, I'm so appreciative to the Flyers um, for everything that they've done for me the last two years, but. Um, I'm also going to just, just keep doing my own thing and, and um, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Everything they've done for you, everything you've done for them. I mean, not everybody has a 94-save performance, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can you take us back to that? I mean, I don't know, not a lot of people in Philadelphia really had a chance to talk to you after that. I mean, sure. obviously up in Lehigh Valley. But 94 saves in one game. I mean, five overtimes. We've only seen it once before. Well, twice, once with the Phantoms when they were up in, uh, in uh, Glens Falls. But the F- Flyers did it in 2000. What, first of all, what's it like to play in a game that long? And then secondly, to make 94 saves out of 95 shots? I mean, it, it obviously, obviously exhausting. I mean, mentally exhausting really more than anything. Um, but it's, it's, also, it's also fun and, and funny and light. And, you know, in the moment, once you, hit a certain, once you hit a certain point in the game, you start to appreciate the moment that you're in. And I think, I think that helped us really a lot. You know, we were keeping a light in the locker room in between periods, and um, I mean, it was just—it was just something that everybody, I think, kind of was—we were marveling at it just as much as anybody else. So, um, it's an indescribable experience. I hope that I don't have to do that again. But <laughs> um, you know, we we got the win, and and that's really important too. It made things a lot better. Um, you've had a real opportunity to work closely with Kim Delabaugh as goalie coach. Um, your first stint up with the Flyers last year was a little bit more uneven. Then you went back down, and when you came back is when we really got to see um, a, a different goalie, a change. Um, how how much was he involved in making that difference for you there from the, what we saw those first two or three games to what we saw the rest of the season? Sure, and and I'm, I'd actually you know put uh, Brady Robinson in that category as well. Okay. He's he's the Phantoms goalie coach. Right. And they've worked together closely for a long time, so they have really good continuity. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, I, I added a lot of things to my game last summer that I found that it was difficult to maintain. Um, so I had a tough, you know, a little bit in the first half there in November specifically, but coming up here and, and working with Kim every day and just kind of, you know, putting the pieces together and finding those cornerstones of my game. Um, and, and really, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about confidence. Um, you know, it's just who who believes that they're going to do the best. Um, and so it, it did it instilled a lot of confidence back into my game. Um, and also just a great learning experience, I think. You know, you just see everybody go through ups and downs with anything. Um, so it was, it was good to know, you know, if I'm sure there's going to be another <laughs> – bad stretch in my career it's just the the fact of the or it's just the reality of it so um it's good to know what kind of things i can do to pull myself out of it and and really solidify those cornerstones in my game we got to talk about the new mask sure all right six cents 
Yeah. So to take me through the the the, the um, process of putting that together, like what made you say, "All right, I'm going to put the Sixth Sense and Bruce Willis on my on my mask." Yeah. Well. Um, so I mean, I can't take credit for it. Dave Dave Gunderson, right. who's now I think pretty famous, um, he's he's the mastermind behind all of it. And I'm I'm low maintenance, so and then whatever he wants is basically <laughs> what I'm down for. Um, I, but he uh, you know he does a great job. And we started the horror movie thing last year, and um, I think that he had pegged the Sixth Sense right when we started the horror movie theme, just because it's based in Philly, right? Um, which is pretty cool. So you know it's a tribute a little bit to Philly and obviously the horror movie thing. But yeah, he does. He obviously does a great job, and um, he he does so many guys around the league. And and I think that once you kind of let him express himself creatively, that's when you're going to get the best product. And he he always hooks me up. That's awesome. Now, are you a horror movie fan, a suspense movie fan? Is that kind of how this kind came to be? Yeah, I am. I you know I'm a I'm actually a big uh, I'm a big Stephen King novel oh, fan. So am I. Actually, um, that's great. Yeah, my my mom my mom always read them growing up when I was growing up and and I kind of got into them too so um I think that's kind of where it sparked and especially the it theme with the movie coming out last year um and now it's just kind of uh evolving into you know I guess the thing that I do for my mask so that's fine and and I think I think that Dave enjoys it too and coming up with ideas so um yeah, like I said, I'm I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to my gear, so it's it's great for me. So if I had to say to you, I'm gonna put you on the spot. If I had to ask you for a, like a top five list, if I'm gonna binge watch some good horror suspense films over the Mm-mm. next couple of weeks, do you have any? No, none. <laughs> well, <laughs> aside from it and, and the success. <laughs> I mean, I, I I wouldn't peg horror movies as my as my favorite movie okay. genre. Okay. Um, I guess I'm just a fan of good movies. Okay. So, um. I heard that there's some good ones coming out, though. I'm pretty excited. The, the Nun. I don't uh-huh. know if you've seen yeah. trailers for that, but I'm excited. I'm excited for that one to come out. And uh, obviously, it was was a pretty big deal last year. So we need so. to see part two, which is not until 2020, I think. Right? Uh, I'm not sure. The only thing yeah. on my radar right now is Game of Thrones. To be honest uh, with you, you're so a big Game of Thrones fan. Huge huh? Game of Thrones guy. So they just came out with the trailer yesterday. Yes, so. I saw. I saw it. I saw it. How do you think it's going to wrap up? What's your What's your prediction? There's so many fan predictions out there. You don't have any. No? I mean, I've read all the fan theories, and I just. I just want to enjoy it for whatever they give us because it's going to be unbelievable. So. Yeah, it was a pretty good finish to last season. Oh, the, amazing! And now we're, we've been sitting around for eighteen months waiting for this to. They're <laughs> they're playing us like fools. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Have you binge watched anything yourself recently, like this summer? Netflix anything or? Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Netflix guy. I like uh, the Last Chance You that that's came pretty out. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I guess I don't really have a, ta- a specific taste for anything. I, th- I like the HBO series. I think that they do a really good job. Yeah. Um, I think that if I had to pick a genre, I'm a big, big sci-fi guy, and I just love the uh, the animation, the cinematography. I think it's just so cool, like what they can do with with the stuff on screen now. So impressive, the- I mean, especially the Game of Thrones stuff. You know, they they spend so much money and they do such a good job. So I really appreciate being that. a sci-fi guy. Did you check out Lost in Space? No, I have. I, I watched one episode. I haven't gotten into it yet, though. Yeah, it's really it's it's a good one. It's wor- well worth. It. Okay. I, I recommend it highly. We we watched the whole thing, so it's really good. Um, so going back now, uh, I remember last year uh, you were six credits shy of uh, graduating from Yale. You still have to do that senior thesis on global nuclear war. Is that is that correct? 
Well, that's that's an option. Yeah, my oh, okay. my major is is political science, okay. so the the options are endless for me. Okay. Um, that was kind of my interest and maybe what I targeted a little bit more in my class choosing. But yeah, I'm still I'm still going on that. I think I think right now, at least for this year of my life, I feel like I'm at a point where I need to put all my eggs in one basket. Sure. Um, so I I have admittedly left the schooling on off the table a little bit in the last twelve months. But um, it's not going to deter me from getting my degree. And eventually, right? Um, yeah. That's important, I think, just as a you know, for the honor of it and the um, you know that kind of accomplishment. So uh, I'm going to get it. But I think right now I just have an opportunity that would be foolish to waste. So that's where I'm at. Sure, absolutely. And now just one more note on political science. I guess this will kind of be my final question. Um, so it's not just an interest in nuclear weapons, right? I mean, it's obviously an interest in politics in general. Is that something that maybe once you've thought about, once this whole hockey career is over 15 years from now, down the road, when you get to turn 40 years old, that maybe something you want to, you get, you want to kind of <laughs> venture into? Or are we, is, is the political climate too crazy for you to say, yeah, we'll just stay away from that? No, I, I have a really, really deep interest in politics. And I think as I get older, I'm sure, like for most people, it becomes it becomes greater. Um, I We'll see. I mean, I guess I don't know necessarily that I'm I'm social enough to be a politician. I think that that's got a lot more going than people give it credit for. It's a difficult job. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, political science is also an extremely broad uh, okay. degree. So uh, I think the, the – I hope that the opportunities are endless once hockey's over for me. Great. Alex Lyon, thanks once again for coming on the Snow the Goalie podcast. We really appreciate it, and best of luck to you as training camp opens up. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome back to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. Joined as always by the fantastic, the Alex Lying interviewing uh, phenom himself, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter at Ant San Philly. He's not even uh, not even angry today. He's not talking about the Phillies and the fact that they just blew a a uh, another game. Don't get me angry, uh, the, Russ. Uh, the uh, what are they? The bad news bears strike <laughs> once get, again. Don't get me mad. A I was five a... four loss to the Washington Nationals. Uh, I was in a good mood. And yeah. <laughs> uh, and here we are talking about Alex Lyon, who uh, after that interview, I, I have to admit, Anthony, I was I was bummed that I couldn't make it. And uh, the Game of Thrones stuff when it came up, I was I was yelling at the recording. I I wanted to throw a bunch of questions, and maybe it's better that I I wasn't there for that, but. Uh, I'd have fanboyed out about some GOT. Well, no, it's funny because I like I watch Game of Thrones as well, but I'm not as much of a fanboy as you are. Um, and I was surprised by it. Like I didn't. I was under the impression like that he was like this big horror movie guy, and he said, "No, I'd like horror movies, but that's not like my thing. Like I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones." I was completely unprepared for it, and you know, I was like, "Oh." Where do I go with this? I, know, I, was, I just couldn't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was yeah, – I had so many things. Like, I had a list um, in the recording. I don't know if you probably saw it in the uh, in the thing there, all the questions that I was going to ask and all the stuff I wanted to talk about. And I, Game of Thrones was certainly not on the list, and I was <laughs> completely thrown. I was just like, ah! And my – yeah, my, actually, my son was there, my younger son, Andrew, um, 
I needed somebody to test the microphone since you, <laughs> since you weren't there. So I had him come in early. And uh, so he was sitting there and he was like, dude, dad, you dropped the ball on the Game of Thrones. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he says, you didn't even ask him. He said, when he said he was a sci-fi fan, he says, you didn't even ask him about um, it, uh, if he likes uh, Stranger Things. I was like, damn, I missed that Come one on, too. Dad. I, Jeez, I, I missed every. I was so, I was so off. Blew it, I dad. Throw, so blew thrown it. off. I'm never coming back. Uh, I'm never suck. coming back with you. Sucked. They're never going to let me back in the skate zone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I was just, I was kind of like, you know, when you were saying, how do you think it's going to end? Like, I'm I'm sitting back thinking, you know, hey, you know, who was the uh, the character you were saddest to see die? Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Ober Martell. Like, that that to me is still yeah. number one on the list. Uh, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed her children, say it, say it. And he pops his head like a pimple. Oh, the mountain versus the viper. Kind of like, uh, you know, what I, I expect the uh, goalie room to look like as uh we prep for this new season i don't know who the uh the mountain's gonna be and who the viper is but alex lyon's gonna have to uh probably crush someone's skull to make this roster um or you know or it, we're well, gonna have to just wait for the inevitable injury the to injury michael Neuberth, right? right no so i i think that you know when you say make this roster i i think that he's kind of a long shot unless they trade um either Elliot or, or Neuver. Uh, I think he's a long shot to make the Flyers. Um, but I think that he is solidly one of the four who are going to play either at the NHL or AHL level. They wouldn't have signed him to a two-year deal with the second year being an NHL-only contract. So that's the, that's the key, and that's the interesting thing to his contract is that he he does have a two-way contract this year so they can shuttle him back and forth from the NHL to the AHL without, you know, going through a waiver process because he's on a two-way deal. But the next season it's NHL only, which means that if they waive him, he can be claimed and picked up by another team. So usually you don't give somebody um, an NHL only contract unless you expect them to play in the NHL. And so that tells me a lot. Like the Flyers think enough of him that he can be a an NHL backup, um, which makes me think that he's kind of ahead of Stolarz at this point. Yep. But they also re-upped Stolarz, so I don't I don't think that they're ready to give up on Stolarz yet. So I I'm kind of confused as to who's going to be where. Um, so yeah, but I think Alex Lyon is certainly going to be part of the Flyers organization for at least a couple seasons. I would think that Lyon's probably ahead of Stoli, Stoli the goalie at Stoli the goalie on Twitter. I have to think that he's got to be ahead of him on on the uh, the depth chart at this point. But I'm I'm wondering if the reason that they re-upped Stoli at least is because they thought that you know maybe there's a team as they go to work to put together a a trade package at some point throughout the year. Maybe there's somebody who's still intrigued by the guy's frame and and by the the promise that really for a long time had had a lot of Flyers fans excited about the potential of of young Anthony Stolarz and. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Like I, I, Alex Lyon isn't exactly a name that's going to jump off the page at you, right? Um, I think that there's still a little bit more, um, you know, potentially. Stolarz has never really stayed healthy, but you might think that the ceiling on Stolarz could still be higher than that of Lyon's. But I think Lyon has proven, if nothing else, that he can be a pretty consistent, you know, backup goal te- goalkeeper in, in, the, uh, in the NHL. And that's not a bad thing. You need those guys on the roster. Yeah, you do. Um I tend to think that Stolarz is signed because they still believe in him a little bit. Um, I don't think that they're looking to, to trade him because if they were, it would have to be now. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't sign him to trade him during the season because where is he playing? 
You know, is he the third goalie? Are they going to carry three goalies on the Phantoms? I hope not. And you know, and you know, and try and slowly work Carter Hart in. I who knows? Like I, I don't know what the what that plan is. Um, and like you know, Hextall has said it's it's better to have five goalies than to have three goalies. So obviously, I mean, to me, that's a knock on Neuver, uh, basically saying that you know we don't trust that he's going to stay healthy for the whole year. So it's better for us to have five guy five guys. Um, so I, I don't know. I I think that they believe in in Stolarz a little bit more than maybe you do. Um, not that not to say that I think that they think that he's the, a top tier goalie prospect like he once was uh, drafted in the second round. Um, but I do think that they still feel that his upside is probably NHL backup goalie, um, and it's probably worth keeping him around for that purpose in case something else happens to somebody else. Um, but he's probably going to need a little bit of time to play uh, to kind of get back because he, he basically missed the whole year last year with his injury. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I think Stolarz is still you know a part of this organization and 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 meaningfully so. Um, more so than the veterans who are currently taking up the two uh, NHL roster spots at this point. All right, so let's rank seven goalies. No, five. Let's go with five. So you've got Elliot Neuvert, um, Stolarz, Lyon, throw in Carter Hart, and even throw in Sandstrom. Where do you think in terms of value, if you were looking as an opposing GM and, and you're looking to you know, acquire a goalie, you know, whether it's it's for right now or if it's somebody that you think long term is going to be, you know, I, I think maybe this actually ends up becoming two different questions. Like if we're going short term, who's the top of the list? What does that ranking look like? And if we're going long term, like what what do you actually think the so rankings if you're, if, are, or if value are? If your team, if you're a team who needs a goalie to play right now and play in the NHL, you, you got to put Neuver number one, even though the injuries, he's probably the most. He's he's more talented than Brian Elliott. Elliott's more of a competitive goalie. Neuver actually has more skill. Um, he's just more frustrating because he can't stay healthy. And I, I part of me thinks that some of that, some of those health issues are a little bit more mental than you would think. Um, but uh, so so I would probably say if you need a goalie right now, come in, be an NHL goalie, and be able to play and keep your team afloat. It's Michael Neuver. But if you're ranking them as far as if you're the GM of a team and you have an opportunity to trade for any of these goalies, what what's the order? Carter Hart is number one. Felix Sandstrom is number two. I probably still put Neuver three um, before Lyon and then Stolarz and then Brian Elliott at the bottom. Not, not because I think Brian Elliott stinks by any stretch of the imagination, but because he's 35 years old and you know, on the tail end of his career. So I think that, you know, you're not looking for him to be like a real long-term answer. So that's how okay. I would probably rank them. All right. Yeah, seems fair, I guess. Uh, I I was kind of thinking that you were going to maybe, you know, hype Alex Lyon up a little bit, you know, maybe put him up at number one on the list, you know, just because we let off the show with the, an interview with him, Anthony. You know, there, that, that would have made a lot of sense. But no, okay, let's let's rank the guy number four. All right, that's, if you were rank, if you asked me the stop being objective, qu- Anthony, we're supposed to go with our hearts here. This is how this is supposed to work, right? <laughs> if you asked me that question before the interview played, I maybe would have bumped him up a little bit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, he he actually seemed like a really interesting dude, and he's awesome. He's great, and and uh, and thoughtful. 
you know, I look. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to alienate an entire like uh, organization here or a, a group of of people. But like, I've known hockey players before, right? And and not all hockey players are the uh, the brightest bulb in the pack, or the most colorful crayon in the box. Sometimes there are a few beans short of a burrito. The lights are on, but no one's home. You know, all these kind of things. They're they're not not the uh, the scholars, let's say, of the sports world. Lyon really seemed to have his his head on straight, and he seemed like a guy who not only you know is kind of thinking that he's going to be successful and have a, a solid NHL career. Um, or professional hockey career of some sort, but that he, he kind of has an idea of what he wants to do after hockey. And I think so often as a professional athlete, that's the one thing that a lot of these guys are missing out on is, you know, they, and, and maybe it's because Lyon realizes that, you know, he's not this elite prospect right now. Um, he might never become a guy that, that teams look at as being an elite guy. And I, I think maybe that kind of helps you, it helps ground you and, and think about like what comes next. But Think about how many guys across different sports seem to have no plan whatsoever. And for some of them, they catch, you know, they catch fire, they become lightning in a bottle or whatever. And, and, you know, pretty soon they, they fizzle out and there's, there's nothing left. Their pro career is kind of in shambles and they've spent a ton of their money. And, and pretty soon they're like, they're, they're no different than the people who have been, you know, paying exorbitant amounts of money to go see them play, you know, down at the, at Wells Fargo center. So I don't know. I, I actually kind of liked hearing, the way that this guy came across. And, and I think it kind of speaks to, you know, when we went back and we talked to Hextall about what they look for in drafting flyers and such, you know, I, I would think that a guy who comes across as well in an interview as, as Lyon did, does nothing to, uh, to hurt your locker room. If, if anything, he kind of helps to, you know, solidify, you know, the, the continuity that you would expect between leadership and vets and, and young players. He, he was, I thought he was really impressive. Yeah, and I'll tell you for certain that they're those guys in that locker room really like him. And um, last year, you know, down the stretch, you know, Lyon Lyon ended up playing in eleven games uh, for the Flyers, and which is you know, more than you would think. But he ended up playing in eleven games. And uh, I'll tell you, every time he came into a game, whether it was as a starter or uh, coming in in relief, those those guys played for him. They liked playing in front of him, and they liked playing in front of him maybe more so than any other goalie. And again, not a knock on any other other goalies. Um, well, maybe one of them, Peter Mrazek, who nobody really liked. But um, <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> but poor Peter Mrazek. What do you know about Peter Mrazek? Uh, Hold on man, a second. Why on. do you have a personal yeah. vendetta against I don't Peter Mrazek? Personal vendetta against that the guy. guy. Let me tell you. He Let was, me tell you something about Peter Mrazek. All right. Yeah. Terrible. Anyway, um, but when when Lyon was going into the net, like you could tell, like the guys wanted to play for him. They wanted because he was he was one of them. Like he's he's a guy that you like. He's a guy you respect. He's a hard worker. Head, you know, you know. He even said he keeps his nose to the grindstone, kind of thing. Blah blah blah. That's you know, guys appreciate that in in hockey locker room. So they really wanted to play for him. Um, And when you said it was interesting, you know, when you, you pointed out just how. You know the difference with him as opposed to other athletes or other hockey players, and you know he just seems so much sharper or smarter um, than a lot of guys. I, I, I tell you, there's a great debate in in hockey circles, especially um, at the not really youth level, but that those um, development years for teens. Um, a real debate as to the best path for 
hockey players to take, um, you know, in their careers at that young age. And so many of them end up going to Canadian Junior. Um, and once you go Canadian Junior, that's considered technically professional, even though it's even though it's minor hockey and junior hockey, um, because you are given a small stipend. Um, you have food provided for you and room provided for you through a billet family. Um, so therefore, you you lose your NCAA eligibility. So a lot of these kids, they choose that because it seems to be a faster path to the NHL to go play in Canadian Junior. Um, but you do so in lieu of getting an education. Now, a lot of those kids are you know being homeschooled or taking college credit classes. Um, when they're not playing hockey, but it's a little bit different. They're obviously not pursuing a degree. Um, and then you have the, the kids who go, you know, maybe they'll go to the USHL, which is minor league hockey in, in the United States, um, but allows you to maintain your co- collegiate eligibility. And then they go and play college hockey. And even if they don't finish, in like in Alex Lyons' case, he was six credits short, um, they, they really get a different, you know, they get to f- follow a course of study for at least a couple years, if not longer. And really get themselves prepared for life after hockey because the difference is junior hockey, I compare it to AAU uh, in the sense that there's a lot of promises that don't get kept um, in junior hockey, whereas collegiate hockey, it's like, yeah, you know what? You might be good enough to get drafted. You might be good enough to sign as a free agent and end up on an NHL roster or in minor leagues or something and make a little bit of money playing this game. But you may not either, so you might as well get an education while you're at it. So there are so many people, you know, on both sides of that argument. And the one thing is, is that you know, you look at a guy like Alex Lyon, and you know, he's six credits shy of getting a political science degree from Yale. You know, great college and everything. And all it's going to take is for him to go back and do a senior thesis, which would could be done in a summer, right? Yep. Um, and once he does that, he's got a Yale degree. In political science the guy can do whatever he wants and all because he took the path where you started in the ushl and went to college and if hockey doesn't work out then guess what he's got that fallback which a lot of guys don't have but he's smart enough to do so so it's it's, it's interesting that you point that out because i think it's a really indicative of the person that he is uh, more so than it is the athlete that he is hmm. <laughs> i'm just sitting back thinking about what a life it must be to play the sport you love, play the game you love, and know that regardless of how your pro career turns out, you just have to go back and take two classes and graduate with a degree from Yale. If only we could all be so lucky. <laughs> At least if nothing else, it seems like the guy you know, kind of realizes what he has in front of him, so that's nice. That's, oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's always a good thing. It's the thing that always drives me nuts about the NBA, and I don't want to go off on this tangent, but like... Um, you know, when we talk about why they don't pay college, uh, college players and everything and how they should and revenue, yada, yada, yada. It's like, there are so few guys that actually stay for, for their degree. And Kyle always likes to kind of like boast about the fact that Nova guys finish their degrees. The, the one guy that always stood out to me and, and yeah, how'd how that turn know, out this year? Yeah. <laughs> so the, um, the, the guy that always stands out to me is Vince Carter, who was my favorite basketball player growing up. I know it's like sacrilege to say in the Philadelphia area, like everybody's supposed to love Allen Iverson, you know, uh, I'm going to keep my comments to myself about him being a less athletic and not as good Russell Westbrook. Ooh, ooh, the fire. Um, 
I, I loved Vince Carter, and the thing that people hated him for in Toronto, actually one of the things that I think really uh, sped up his exit from the Raptors was the fact that I think it was right before Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, Vince Carter went back to uh, North Carolina to, to go walk at graduation and said that it was something that had always been a goal, I think, that is that he had set out for himself and that he wanted to fulfill to his mom for like all the hard work that she had done. And, and to me, like, you just don't see that kind of thing anymore. And, you know, it's, it's even something where they go back and, and years later when they kind of do like the recaps and, and, um, like the hardwood classic stuff that always seems to kind of come with the game. And I don't know, maybe it's, it's just because it's the exception to the rule, but I think there's something so awesome about a guy going back and, and finishing the degree. I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, uh, I think it was, it was, maybe it was Kanye West's album, uh, College Dropout. They had like these, these like weird interludes that would happen between songs. And it was this guy just kind of like reading and he's talking about how he's poor and he's like, I'm, I'm out here. And, and uh, he's like, you go to get your bachelor's then you get your master's, then you get your master's, master's, you go, man. And then you get your doctorate and you get your second doctorate. And yeah, you might not have anything left in life. You might, you might be cold, but you know what? While you have a house and a family and things that you love, I'm out here in the cold, but you know what keeps me warm at night? That's right, those degrees. I don't know. Alex Lyon. I don't think he's ever going to end up huddled up with his Yale degree, but if he does, I'm sure it'll keep him warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, love, I love when you go off on these random tangents and you start quoting anything. Uh, and you're, just, you're quoting Kanye, which is you know so outside my element. So. <sighs> It's a beautiful day, Anthony. This is all good. Um, let's see. Um, well, I, I I figured, you know what? I should probably go down one of these rabbit holes to to hope that maybe you uh, you burned off a little bit of that steam from uh, from the Phillies. Should we talk about the Phillies again? No, let's not. No, let's. But you know what? I do want to talk about Russ. I thought I, was what, what's that, Anthony? It was really funny, and you actually sent it over to me today. Oh yeah, but the, <laughs> the story from five thirty eight. Um, um, they put out a thing where they were searching for uh, the team that stands out the least. They searched like 50 years of sports history and used some kind of crazy mathematical algorithm um, to, and weighted it differently uh, based on different categories um, and to, de- to determine who the most uh, mediocre team has been in you know the last 50 years. And, they ultimately determined that the Pittsburgh Pirates are the most average team in sports. But uh, and the Phillies, a, Phillies were fifth. Yeah, uh, yeah, Phillies were fifth. That's correct. Um, but that's over a long stretch of time. Um, basing it on the last five years, this is this is a great quote for fans seeking long-term mediocrity the Philadelphia Flyers might be a good option having finished with between 39 and 42 wins in four of their last five seasons and in the one season they didn't they still racked up points for a league leading 18 overtime losses which could easily have turned into ties aka the best possible outcome for fans of 500 play under the NHL's old standing system According to our algorithm, no team in major pro sports has been more consistently mediocre over the past five seasons <laughs> than the Flyers, although they narrowly edged out the NBA's Washington Wizards, another great pick if you want to watch dependably so-so basketball. Uh, so the Flyers were considered the most mediocre professional sports team of the last five years. 
and I think it's spot on. And I don't think I don't mean you know we watch them every game, right? So we don't there necessarily goes the access for crossing broad to uh, <laughs> to the Flyers and the organization. We don't necessarily all of the interviews. There, there yeah, they go. Gone. We don't necessarily gone. sources gone. Everything, <laughs> everything gone. Don't call the mediocre, Anthony. Yeah, we don't need. We don't pander, yeah, pander. Right. <laughs> uh, but we, you know, we don't. Um, we don't need to see statistics to know that the Flyers have been mediocre. We just watch the games, and they are. They are such a – they're very Hackstolian. <laughs> and that's what they – I mean, really. Like, they are games Hackstoli when they – the Golian? <laughs> they're, they're games when they look decent. There are games when they look not so good. There are games when they look great. There are games when they look terrible, which is the complete definition of a mediocre team. Because um, it's completely inconsistent from one game to the next, and uh, and that's yeah, that's what they've been for the four years of Dave Haxtall. And if you go back to the the one season that he was referring to, with the eighteen overtime losses, was a Craig Berube co- Craig Berube coach team, the um, chief. And and that's that's it. I mean, look, Dave Haxtall's career record. Um, he's coached two hundred and fifty games for the Flyers. They've won one hundred and twenty four and lost one hundred and twenty six. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are overtime losses, so they get points for them. So, so I guess their their points so percent their points percentage is actually above five hundred. But uh, if you're just going based on wins and losses, they're a below five hundred team with him as the coach, uh, but just barely. And so that's what they are. They're they are the true definition of mediocre. And I didn't need statistics to tell me that. Although I do like the fact that the statistics proved out that they are the most mediocre of any team uh, in professional sports. That's what I found the most interesting. I'm glad that there was something. I'm glad that I brought a little bit of joy to your day. Because <laughs> I, I like schadenfreude. Is that what it is? <laughs> ah, you know what the funny thing is? So Kevin and I just got done recording. a. Uh, this this kind of gives, I guess, people an idea of timing. So I, I just finished recording an episode of, uh, of Crossing Broadcast with Kevin Kincaid. And uh, German was like very prevalent because he, he brought up... Remember the thing about the, the teacher who uh, did like the Nazi gimmick and it's been, it's been on the yeah. side a few times. Yeah, so, yeah. so we, we talked about that and like German came up a few times and, uh, and now here we are totally unrelated show and the Germans have popped up again. They're, they're everywhere. <laughs> but, the, but you know what? I th- isn't Schadenfreude really more, you know, used in American English lexicon these days, even though it's, a, even though it's a German root, um, I guess so. a German word. I mean, people know what it means, right? Schadenfreude, yeah, yeah. Schaden, you know, like a, a misfortune. You know, somebody, something sad happens. Something that's a bummer. You say Schade, das ist leider so, and then Freude is, you know, coming from, you know, enjoyment. So it's the enjoyment of uh, someone else's misfortune. Yes. There we go. This German lesson has been provided to you by Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, so but that's me. I'm, you know, me. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of. One of those, uh, not I take pleasure in other people's pain, but I do certainly take uh, some enjoyment in the failings of professional sports sometimes. Breaking news. Oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. Are you on Twitter right now? Uh, I can be. Do you see the Sean Couturier news? No. Go ahead. There is no news. I just wanted to see if you were on your toes. All right. (laughs) There we go. All right. Um, is Is it time for our favorite segment of the uh of the show or is there anything else that you wanted to get before we uh mosey on out of here no i thought that's uh, you know there's nothing this is the end of august this is kind of when uh things really uh are really slow in hockey getting ready for the season it'll really ramp up in a couple weeks but 
right now is a lot of dead time. Um, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else special to, to really discuss. Um, so, uh, yeah. Do you want to go to, uh, name that flyer? You're darn right. I do. Anthony, you're darn right. <laughs> it's time for name that flyer. I still, still don't have music for it. It's okay. <laughs> Why would I have music? That would, no, that's, that's just way, way, way too, uh, too involved. Uh, yeah. Again, though, if you're listening and you like to do things with uh, sound engineering and you want to put together a, uh, a song for for uh, Name That Flyer. Is it Name That Flyer or Who's That Flyer? I don't even remember. It's too late. It's after midnight. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, Anthony, mm-hmm. I, I figured since we uh, featured an interview with a goalie that this uh, Who's That Flyer should revolve around goalies. Okay. So this uh, this goalie. Yeah, I should let the people get ready. Let them get themselves mentally prepped for this question. This goalie played for the Flyers in parts of three seasons. Okay. Uh, he was a trade. Yeah, he was acquired in a trade. I don't want to tell you what team, but it was an Eastern Conference team okay. where he had spent the entirety of his career to that point. I believe it was eight years with that club. Yes, it was eight years. He was traded mid-season to the Flyers. He went on to play two more seasons in the orange and black and then went on to play for not one, but two division rivals. And he played, he retired three years ago, four years ago. Wow. He also finished 10th in uh, uh, Calder Memorial Trophy um, balloting in 1999. So I'm going to go with... Oh wait, ninety nine. Now you just threw me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that really threw me. Oh, geez. So wait, so he was he was a rookie in ninety nine. Played eight years for another team before so he played coming eight to the years. Flyers. So the eight years is a little bit misleading because the first two he only played three games and six games. So he he had Still. he had gotten some starts for the big the big team, but huh. Wow, that's a that's an interesting. Um, three years with the Flyers. Yep. Mm. Or you can count it as two and a half. I guess it depends how you like to do the math. Sort of. Yeah, I'm I'm having a hard time with this one um, because I'm the, the time of the timing of it. Like I remember the goalies who were around um, at the time that would make sense. You know that you're talking about I, the only name I can even think about is it Marty Baron? It is. No, really. Anthony, well done. Yes, okay. he played for eight parts of eight seasons with, with Buffalo. the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. Was acquired in 2006, 2007. Played 16 games for the Orange and Black that year. Went on to to start 59 games in 07, 08, 53 games in 08, 09 before moving on to the New York Islanders. And then finishing his career, the final four years with the New York Rangers, Anthony. That was well done out of you. Yeah, and I got a great Marty Marty Biron story. So yes, any, anytime oh. you anytime you had to interview Marty Biron, he had more tape on his skates than any player maybe in history. I mean, when I tell you that he would sit there and the sound of the tape coming off his skate, you would listen to the interview. And sometimes you're interviewing other people. And on the background of the tape recording, you'd hear <laughs> as the tape is coming off of his skate, and he would literally make these giant softball-sized balls of tape 
and then try and shoot it across the room into a trash can. And he was like lights out, man. Like the guy never missed. And he went literally would go through an entire roll of tape every game, do that whole thing, that whole ritual of taking the tape off, make us, and then it would be literally across the locker room, and he would sink it almost. I mean, he was ninety five percent. It was it was unreal how good of a, a shot he was with that. And he was a great guy. He was a great interview too. Even though he wasn't a great goalie, he was a he was a great interview. Uh, really good dude. One of Danny Briere's best friends, as a matter of fact. If Marty Buron were still on this team, where would he rank? <laughs> Let's That's go a, in his prime, Marty Buron. Where Marty, does he rank? Well, in his prime, meaning when he was with Buffalo, when he was better than when he was with the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, he wasn't. Te- to be honest with you, he wasn't terrible with the Flyers. He just was. Um, you know, I mean, I think the oh seven oh eight right was that was his first full year with the Flyers, and they went to the conference final that year before losing to Pittsburgh. Yep, I think he had a decent season that year, if I recall. Um, so, and then, I didn't hate Marty. I thought he thought he was no, fine. He was he was fine. He was absolutely fine. But oh, I mean, here we go. Heads up, you get to pick between one of these two guys. Go ahead. Who do you pick, uh, Marty Biron or Robert Ash? I take Biron. He's a better goalie. I, I, I loved Ash. Ash was another great guy. Boy, he had some great stuff. He had some stories, and I, I can't even tell some of the stories that Robert Ash used to tell. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. all right. Then. We could t- we could tell. I could tell off air, but uh, oh man, what a great what a great storyteller he was. He's um, part owner of the Utica Comets. Um, I think it's the, the Comets. The Utica, um, New York. Um, I think they're the Comets. Maybe they're the Rockets. I think they're the Comets. Utica Comets. There's something um, to do with the uh, interstellar travel. Got it. Yeah, they're they're an AHL AHL team, and he started that. Like he like was one of the owners, and he petitioned to bring hockey to Utica back to Utica. It used to be there years ago, um, or on a smaller minor league level. Like I think they were in the um, either the East Coast Hockey League or one of those uh, defunct. Um, uh, hockey leagues that that existed for minor league hockey in the United States, and he decided that they would build it out there, and that's where he's from in New York. And he, you know, he's still heavily involved with that team, and they've been a really big success in that market. Um, so Eshi's a great guy, but if I had a pick between the two, I mean, Biron was Biron was a legit prospect. Um, he was a first round pick by the Sabers, um, like you had mentioned. He was a Calder finalist. I mean, his his. His career numbers are, I think they're pretty decent. Like, I mean, he played over 500 games. I know that much. I mean, you know, I I, th- I think he was. Yeah, he's the better of the two. And if 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 he was on this team today in his prime, so I guess what like o two o three maybe. Um, he's probably he's probably. Right behind, I mean, long term behind, still behind Carter Harp, maybe ahead of Sandstrom, probably two. Behind Alex Lyon, of course, who uh, was <laughs> most recently interviewed on the Snow the Goalie podcast, the only Flyers podcast. That's good. All right. Yeah. No, I love yeah, Marty. Marty Buran. I, 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 there we I go. Really liked, I really like Marty. He was a good guy. Really good guy. I like the fact that when I uh, come up with the uh, Who's That Flyer, about two minutes before I ask you, um, I unsolicitedly or un- unsolicitedly, uh, in an unsolicited manner, I never ask you for, uh, you know, who are the names of the guys that you have the best stories about, and you somehow still always have a story about 
about a guy. I'm going to try to find a really obscure flyer from the last, let's well, go, let me, eight years. So, I, let's, so just so you know, um, you know, I mean, I have stories about guys even before I was covering the team, but you know, I cover. I've been covering the Flyers pretty exclusively since 2000. So any player in the last 18 years, you know, I probably have some something to say about them. Some dirt on. Yeah, I'm Got all, it. I mean, it's not always dirt, but yeah, I probably have something. To well, hey, if something. you don't have the dirt, Tim Panaccio could make it up. So that's exciting. <laughs> I'm never gonna let it die. <laughs> can never I, gonna. You know what? I'm gonna. T- can I tell Panaccio's story right now? Yeah, real quick. Okay. 2010, the year that the Flyers are um, having this historic comeback against Boston. Um, the series starts in uh, in Boston, game one. And the night before game one of the series, um, all the writers are in town. Uh, so because it's the second round of the playoffs, the newspapers are sending columnists as well. So there's more than just your normal beat writers. There's at least two people from every paper. Some, you know, some were sending three or four, whatever. Um, so Panaccio is there, and Sarah Baker had just started um, as a as, a, as someone who was doing some kind of writing uh, for CSN Philly at the time. And so they decided to go to dinner at this Italian restaurant that Panaccio loved. And I ended up going. I forget. I went somewhere else with a couple other people. I didn't go to that restaurant. And then so the next. The next morning, we show up for the morning skate game one, and Panache is all out of sorts. He's just like he just he can't like he can't fo- he's like I can't focus I can't I, I can't pay attention to what's going on blah blah blah. And I'm like, what's going on, Panache? And he's like, the the owner of this Italian restaurant we were in last night. He put the maloiks on me. I said I said what did what the did maloiks. he do? He said he put the maloiks on me. I said, what do you mean he put the Maloiks on you? He said, well, you know, we were talking about the, the, the series, and uh, he guaranteed that Boston was going to win, and we were saying the Flyers were going to win, and we were just having fun with them. And he then put the Italian curse on, on us and said that uh, Boston was going to win the series, and it was gonna, somebody was going to you know, get hurt in the series, blah, 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 blah. And so now he's like, I think that his Maloiks went on me and not on the Flyers. And I'm just standing there rolling my eyes like, okay, how do you respond to this? Okay, this is this is a level of lunacy that you can't you can't really do. So all I could do was appease him. Right. It said, listen, you know, go back to your hotel, lay down. Don't go out to lunch, lay down, relax. Game ones tonight, whatever. So he's he's all he's all out of sorts. So that night we show up for game one. It's game one of the of the second round of the playoffs. There are a ton of media there right we were jam-packed and up there and my seat is right next to panache and he's sitting there and he's like anthony who's that who's that on the ice i i don't recognize that that number anthony who is that guy he's like freaking out and i'm like what the hell is happening he's like I, I gotta go. I, I gotta get out of here. So he walked middle of. I'm telling you, the first period has started of this game. He goes to the uh, now up on in in Boston Stadium. Um, it, it's like almost like a gondola up in the press level. So the GM boxes are up there with you. He goes into Pete Shirelli's. Walks into Pete Shirelli's box. This is the GM of the Boston Bruins. Okay, first period of a playoff game that he's the general manager for the team. Just bursts through the door. Pete, I need to see one of your doctors. Uh, there's something wrong with me. I need to see one of your doctors. So Shirelli t- has him escorted downstairs. The doctors quickly look at him, and they send him to Mass General. 
he spends the entire night in Mass General. Now, poor Sarah Baker has never written a story in you know for the website before, like a legitimate game story, is now thrust into this spot, and I feel so bad for her. Right, and we're trying to trying to help her out as best we can because now all of a sudden she's got to take over for him. Um, he ends up in Mass General, and he comes out the next day, and I we said, Panache, is everything okay?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." I'm like, well, "What's what happened?" They diagnosed me with global transient amnesia. What? I said, "What? What? What the hell's that?" He says, "Yeah, it sounds like something that like uh, uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker should be trying to <laughs> uh, to fight back, like some kind of crime syndicate." <laughs> global right? transient amnesia. Rush Hour Seven. Yeah, he said it's something that happens only once and it never happens again. He says it's the weirdest thing. He said, "But I'm fine. I'm fine." And then he went back and covered the rest of the series. No issues. So the season, so they make the big comeback. They beat the Bruins. Go on to the Stanley Cup Finals and they lose. It, so now it's like a month and a half later that they lose to the Blackhawks. Uh, I'm just chilling late at night. I'm turning on TV. Late night talk shows on, and uh, Ken Jeong, who uh, was on uh, the talk show, and I believe it was I, I believe it was Letterman, but it might I don't remember exactly. I think it was Letterman. Um, and Ken Jeong is on. Of course, he's talking about one of the Hangover movies or something. And he talks about how he actually used to be in medicine and, um, and he used to work in um, uh, emergency rooms in California and the like. And so I'm pretty sure Letterman says to him, well, I'm sure you've seen some crazy people come into an ER in your hospital. And Ken John goes, oh, yeah, we used to get a lot of really crazy people who had who were insisting that they had something completely wrong with them and they had nothing wrong with them. So. Letterman asks him, says, well, Ken, how, how did you used to get rid of these people? Like how, you know, when you know that there's nothing wrong with them and they're sitting there in the ER, he goes, well, we would, uh, we would diagnose them with something ridiculous like global transient amnesia and send oh them on their God. way. <laughs> no. <laughs> I lost my, I lost it. I literally, in the middle of the night, it was like three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. I'm watching this, whatever late night show it was. And I literally pulled out my phone and, and started texting people like, you won't believe what I just watched. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my so, God. so global transient amnesia. Yes. Poor Panaccio. <laughs> one, it's one of my all-time favorite stories from the beat. It really is. It just it was the most flabbergasting thing to be a to be a witness to. Like, what is happening? What is going on? I could not. I a really could not believe transient amnesia. I just really couldn't believe he marched into Pete Chiarelli's box in the middle of the first That's period of a playoff awesome. game. Awesome. And told the guy he needs to see the Bruins. Snyder probably would have picked him up by the back of the neck and thrown him, <laughs> in, like thrown him down into the concourse. Right? Well, it'd like, be different if it was the owner's box, right? If you're going to the Bruins owners, but that's a little bit different. Okay, fine. You know, the owner's not the owner's interested, obviously, in the outcome of the game, but the owner's not hands on with the team. He's walking into the general manager's box, the guy who's sitting there, kind of you know, putting this team together for their for their playoff run. It's, it was just fascinating. The whole thing was fat, and it was it was something that was talked about in hockey circles for you know at least a year afterwards. That's awesome. That oh, <laughs> I thought the Buran thing was good. This uh, man, yeah, I want. I think we might need an entire segment dedicated to uh, stories of Panaccio. Oh, I have plenty. Um, you got so, panached. Uh, so yeah, I, maybe you should. It's title, another panach in your belt. Maybe you should. Maybe you should title this episode "Global Transient Amnesia." <laughs> I want people to listen to the show, Anthony. Global transit, <laughs> just, like just imagine, like that pops up in your, pops up in your podcast app. Global transit, and what the what? <laughs> 
Like when I go to post this thing on on Flyers fan pages, which I think has actually contributed to the uh, ever increasing listener numbers that we have on this show. Yeah. You know, I think a pretty straightforward thing, like the episode was like JVR was Plan B, or like out the the Flyers off season outlook. Like those those do well. Global transient amnesia. I don't know if that's a a real go getter. <laughs> I think in the aftermath of it, it would be funny, but. You don't think uh, it's, attra- it's attractive to people? Okay, why? Global transient amnesia. They're going to be like, these guys have... What is, what, is, what is wrong with these people? No. Oh, uh, I, don't, I think that's about time to go. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's time well, to wrap it up. It is well past uh, midnight here on the East Coast, and uh, this has been another episode of Snow the Goalie. Of course, uh, go check out the other shows in the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossing Broadcast. Um, do 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 cross up a Phillies podcast with Anthony and Bob. Uh, go check them out. They released a new episode on Tuesday morning. Um, it was very pleasant, very happy, uh, all rainbows and smiles for the uh, the guys who like to talk about the game where uh, f- guys grab a large wooden bat and swing at a small ball, and the games take about 17 hours to finish. Um, also, go check out It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin Kincaid. That uh, typically goes out at least once or twice a week, usually one on the weekend. And uh, as the union are actually winning games, something the Phillies wouldn't know anything about, uh, he's been releasing, I, I believe, one every uh, like one every so many weekdays. So that's kind of nice. Crossing Broad FC will be back this week with a uh, a recap so far of everything that's been going on in European soccer. And I think I, I think I got them all. And of course, know the goalie. Don't forget to go on to iTunes, leave a five star review and rating. And uh, we'll read it on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the Alex Lyon interview. And uh, let us know if there was anything that you took away from that interview that, that you found interesting. Hit us up on Twitter at AntSanPhilly and at JoyOnBroad. We'll uh, always be happy to uh, banter back and forth. And uh, for Anthony, I'm Russ. We'll talk to you again very soon.